Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Words, Images, and Worlds. My name is Jason Dehart, and I'm joined on this episode by author Alyssa Wishingrad. Alyssa, thank you so much for jumping on and talking with me about middle grades fiction and, and all of the writerly things that you do. Um, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for our chat. And I love talking about middle grade fiction. It's my favorite thing. So, I was a middle grades teacher for eight years. It holds a very, very special place in my heart. Not currently in middle grades. I'm currently in high school. But uh, I just love a good approach to fiction that kids can enjoy of all ages, including me. I'm a, I'm a 40-year-old kid reader. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. What was it? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, I think that that's like the beauty of so much, uh, so much of middle grade that it really has such wide reaching appeal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope that when people see that classification, they don't think, oh, you can only read this between the ages of whatever middle grades happens to be. I think AMLE calls it like, I want to say like, 11 through 14 or 15 but they really do have broad appeal upper elementary on one side uh and then high school college adulthood on the other i know lots of um scholars even that really enjoy reading middle grade and ya books so yeah uh, lots lots of flexibility lots of and you know you can really approach a lot of um, very difficult and uh, tenuous subjects in middle grade, and mm. the what because you're approaching it for middle grade readers. We have some barking. Is that is that? Do you have fur friends on your end of the screen? Dude, that would be Cleo and Lucy who are yes. chiming in, and they're big fans of middle grade fiction. They're, they are uh, chiming in resolutely. Yeah, we we embrace pets on the podcast. There have been a couple of people that have had dog friends. And oh my goodness, what would I have done during the pandemic without my schnauzer teaching buddy? Um, it's part of our new paradigm that we have our friends chiming in when we're at work. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, there is great flexibility, as we were talking about in middle grades. And and what was it about the world of reading, right? Did you get connected to that in middle grades as a young reader and writer? Or was that something that developed even further back for you? Uh, so I was a storyteller as a little kid. And that's how I, mm -hmm. how I would get myself to go to sleep at night, you know, because my brain would be going you know, 50 miles an hour when I'd get into bed and I would, um, you know, had a bed full of stuffed animals and I would tell myself stories, acting them out with my stuffed animals until I fell asleep. Uh, and then in college, I went, I was, I graduated with a degree in playwriting. I had every intention of being a playwright, moved to New York, and um, had amazing mentors and, and really benefited from amazing teachers. Um, but I fell into a different career that was easier to be incredibly honest with you. It was, I don't think at that time in my twenties and in my thirties, I was really ready to do the hard work of writing, which is 
rewriting and rewriting and just keeping digging in and digging in. I was a little too, um, I wasn't process oriented enough. Um, and so it wasn't after until after I had kids and I had left that previous career that I was like, it was sitting here the whole time kind of going, you really cannot run away from me, lady. You're going to have mm -hmm, to sit mm -hmm. down and, and do this. Um, so it really followed me for most of my life. But I tried, like I said, I tried to run away from it because it's, it is, it's hard, you know, it's hard work. Um, but once I really sat down and committed myself to it, um, it's kind of like manna from heaven. It's the it's the juice. It's it's what gives me life is that hard work. I think I had to mature into it. And I love the way you put that too, because um not just the the manna comparison there, but I love that you talked about the hard work of not just writing the first draft, because sometimes when I work with students, uh, I think they're thinking, oh, the hard work is just getting this down. And it's in one way it, you know, there's that burden of the work of multiple drafts. On the other hand, it's really freeing to know you don't have to be perfect. The first time you write something, it's impossible to be perfect. Impossible. Yeah. And so I'm doing what are called past pages now on Between Monsters and Marvels. And what that means is, is um, in case anybody doesn't know, they've been formatted. It looks like a book, but it's still in PDF. And we're gonna do two or three passes where the copy editors and my editor and myself are gonna go through and we're gonna keep looking for mistakes and we're gonna keep looking for formatting issues and you know maybe an ugly line here or there. Um, and it's really, really hard to read it because gosh, I just want to change that line or gosh, I'd oh, really yeah. love to, you know, and because it's already formatted, you're really confined to how much you can change uh, a word here, but you, you know, you don't want to mess with the formatting too much. Um, yeah. If I think any writer I would love to keep rewriting, I'd love it to be a living document so I could keep writing it and rewriting, or maybe I wouldn't. <laughs> And every time you pick it up, you read something just a little bit new. Yeah, it's it's almost like painting. It's like, when is this painting done? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, precisely. But the printed word has to be, if you're fortunate enough to have a, a publishing contract, it has to be done at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, yeah. I haven't mentioned the titles. You mentioned Between Monsters and Marvels, and your first one is um, The Bear Degree Pond. So I wanted to to also mention, I didn't say at the beginning of the episode, but those are the two works that uh, at, at this podcast recording time, um, you're probably best known for. Yeah. Uh, the Bear Degree Pond came out in 2021. And um and between Monsters and Marvel, 9, 12, September 12th, 2023. On the way. It is on the yeah. way. Um, and, and both, I love, I, I'm sort of a like Heinz feet on high places. Um, you know, C.S. Lewis kind of like Pilgrim's Progress. I enjoy all of those sort of allegorical fantasy oriented stories where you're talking about real issues real things and you're doing it through these lenses and i love that in the second book you have a character named dare that's taking center stage mm -hmm. i don't think i'm giving anything beyond a, the barest description away with that um what is it about fantasy and the fantastic that sort of draws you in as a creator 
Well, first of all, I think that, how do I say this? The, the, the fantastical, even though it is not quote unquote real, it is mm -hmm. part of our world. It's part of reality. And that's how mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, we can enjoy and celebrate and find beauty in this world, right? Mm -hmm. By sort of indulging in the fantastical. But um I love writing stories with fantastical elements. So the Vertigree Pond has some magic uh, in it, some kind of a plant magic. And Between Monsters and Marvels has these monsters in it. Um, but both of my books and all the books that I write are sort of grounded in, I call them quasi-historical time periods uh, because they, it's a time period that looks like medieval times. Um, Monsters and Marvels is in a time period that looks like the Industrial Revolution in America. Um, but I think by adding fantastical elements, as you were saying, it's easier to draw these allegorical lines and comparisons mm -hmm. to our world and the very real problems that we face uh, in this world and the, and the dilemmas that we face. Um, middle grade to me is this sort of knife edge moment. You're leaving childhood behind there is a part of you that is becoming very adult, but you're not quite adult yet. You're starting to see the world. You're beginning to realize that everything that you, all the certainty that you thought that existed does not exist. That there is a tremendous amount of gray in this world. And no matter how smart or wonderful or loving they are, the adults in your life do not actually have all the answers because there are a lot of things for which there's no definitive answer. There's mm -hmm. there's this version of the history. There's this version of the truth. There's this version of it, and so it's it's really a it's a it's really a time of entering the gray. And I think that the best way to come to terms with that and to look at that is again through this lens where it kind of looks like your life, your world, but mm -hmm. it's a little bit skewed. Um, and there's elements that. Um, that introduce an, uh, a degree of the mystical, mm -hmm. right? Because that's what it, truth is. It's kind of mystical. It's kind of magical. It doesn't. It doesn't really exist. It depends on how you're looking at things. So, if that makes any sense, so that I like the mm -hmm. the the lens that it lends. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, there's something about. That, that middle grades, adolescents of asking those questions and, and kids at all levels ask questions, but there is something about that sort of moving out of things are very fixed in the world to this world of, okay, maybe I should consider all of these perspectives and okay, maybe I should, you know, think, think critically. And I also love how that just builds in two layers of enjoying a book because you can enjoy the story level. But then you stop to think about it and you go, huh, th this author is making me think about something in life that is real through this story that, that maybe I can think about a little bit differently now. Yeah. And I think if you're talking about, so like in Monsters, there's, well, in both books, there's there's issues of equity and privilege and inequity mm -hmm. and poverty and how does the government or our, our ruling system sort of work and who does it benefit and who does it not benefit. And by taking it and, and stepping back and putting it in a, in a 
fantastical framework, it's less threatening to, to think yeah. about it that way, right? It's easier to look at it critically or um, uh, objectively because you take out your subjective uh, reality. And I think it allows for a little bit closer examination. Yeah. Yeah. One of my questions was going to be, what do you hope readers take away? So that's definitely, that's part of it, of that examination and, and thinking. Are there other pieces and parts that you hope readers take away when they leave the world that you've crafted and think about their own worlds? Uh, well, I certainly hope that they have a good time. I certainly hope mm -hmm. that they're that they're challenged in order to sort of keep ahead of the story. I think there's um, some surprises in between monsters and marvels, mm -hmm. uh, which I I hope um, surprise them and and um, and you know tickle their not their funny bone but their sense of curiosity in a really fun way. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I do. I do fold in in what I think are really important themes. Again, these ideas of um, how can we know history is true? It's always told by somebody, right? Which is going to be put through somebody's lens. Uh, and how how can we ever get to the real truth? And and is how messy truth can be. You know, yeah. are there good guys and bad guys? You know, it's, it's a little bit of both, right? Like everybody's right. got a little bit of both, and the bad guys are going to have some some redeeming qualities. It's uh, mm -hmm. mostly, um, so so that's what I hope they take away from it is enjoyment of a great adventure and a moment to stop and think about some very difficult. Ideas, ideas that are difficult for adults to parse, but to, to start to tackle them and think about them and and um, and know that thinking about them and not having to have an answer uh -huh. is okay. You don't have to have an answer. You don't have to land on one side of an argument or another. I, I hope that makes sense. Absolutely. I, I often think about how so many issues just have this binary of, okay, I'm pro, I'm con, I'm for, I'm against. Uh, you know, it's I'm on one side or the other side of this issue. And there's so many things, there's so many questions in life where it kind of depends. And we have to take into account the, the person and the situation. And so um, thinking in that way is is a wonderful part of, of reading as well. Yeah. And if you are going to wind up on one end of a binary or another, mm. then you have considered every step of the way as you mm -hmm. landed on that side of the line, as opposed to this is what I've been handed. Yes. What I've yeah. been told. This is what I've been taught. We've been taught the monsters are bad. End of story. Yeah. And, I think even continuing to say, well, I'm going to check in with that perspective. And that doesn't mean I'm the enemy of the perspective or I'm the, you know, it doesn't mean hostility necessarily. Uh, it just means that I happen to believe something and sometimes I need to listen to other opinions too. Right. Right. Yeah. And exactly. And I think right now we're in a time in history where it's um, people, we are, you know, holding our beliefs so like a like a standard and it, it uh -huh. can't be it's it's again truths truths um change and develop and it depends on you know 
perspective, mm-hmm. right? Point so, and that's another part um, that I wanted to ask about in your books, which is the world building, because I'm thinking about you know what we're really after is community, and, and books help us so much with building community and thinking about community. So, as you were thinking about these worlds of, or the world of the Verdigree Pawn and Between Monsters and Marvels. Um, what were some of the the aspects of that world building for you? Uh, well, from like a technical point of view, I, I always, I, I when I come up with a story, where it takes place, what time it, time, again, this sort of like quasi time period, mm-hmm. it, it comes to me sort of as a parse, part and parcel for some reason. Um, and then I go about developing it. But uh, even though I'm sort of basing it on a time period that exists. Um, so I will do my research and I will dive in and and try and immerse myself in that time period, but not too much because I want the freedom to be able to create my own world, uh, you know, and so I don't want to be locked into facts. Um, I want to take the flavor of the time and what that time, how that time period influenced, as best as we can tell, the politics, the social structure, the um, uh, how the family was organized, how the community was organized, how work was organized, um, how how the society interacted. So I I try and think about all of those elements of. Uh, government and and yeah religion i don't write about religion but is there a religion in this world or what is uh if it's not a church religion what's the belief structure what's the right what's the code that people live by um what's the um currency exchange what is currency in this time uh how Mm -hmm. do people live how do they dress how do they eat how how you know what does um what does the community look like? So I really like to dive into all of those things and really think about them and make sure that they make sense uh, and then sort of put them against the themes that I'm working with. But again, that as I'm sort of start to build a story in the back of my mind, that that all kind of plays into each other. So I'm working on a story now, a, a new book, it takes place in a kind of a, um, well, I don't want to say too much about it, but <laughs> it takes place in another historical time period in a very different place. And um, and what does that, how does that influence these people in, this, in their lives? Yeah, and that's, that's also part of what I love about the fantastic. I was talking with Arthur Slade on another podcast and um, we were mentioning, we were talking about like Tolkien and, you know, the the huge amount of world building. And Arthur Slade was talking about when you build this world, there's all of this stuff under the surface that you thought about. And so there might be like that tip of the iceberg that you get across in the book, but you're kind of holding that history. And um, yeah. there are always those stories to unfold. Yeah, exactly. I think you really, I think it's tricky. I, I do. I think because you have built this whole world in your head. The impulse is to put it on the paper, but really the the purpose of the world, the purpose of everything is, is how does it act against your main character and what they want and what they're trying to do? 
right? Mm -hmm. What's their obstacles and uh, what are they trying to achieve? And so, yeah, a lot of your world building has to, it just stays back there. But if you've done your work, it's there. It's there. I think it's there in the richness of their experience. So as we're, as we're sort of coming to the end of the episode, I'd love to give you the chance to sort of hat tip preview or, or let listeners and readers know anything that you would like them to know at this juncture about between monsters and marvels i have the copy on net galley graciously provided uh, and really enjoyed it love the character dare love the world and uh, the ways that the fantastic is blended in so very well um, but anything that you would want to just sort of put out there for readers to ponder as they're waiting on this book um, well, I'm happy to deliver just a little tease. So it's um, mm. D- Dare Coates is an awful girl. Everybody tells her that she um, is the first line of the him. book. We'll tell yeah. you that <laughs> yeah. she's um, she's growing up on this um, island that is um, protected by trade winds. It's beautiful all year long and it's home to the, the very wealthiest people in this world and um, people who spend a lot of time worrying about fitting in. Dare does not worry at all about fitting in and in fact uh, works very hard to not fit in. Uh, Her father is the captain of the guard whose job is to keep the patrol on this island uh, uh, that once was inhabited by monsters. Uh, But the monsters have been uh, gone for some 20 years or have they? And uh, one day when Dare's beloved father uh, turns up dead, Dare has to set off to not only try to understand the truth of his of his death, but the truth of the monsters. And um, she's going to find out that there are indeed monsters in this world. Uh, and they're monsters of many different shapes and sizes. And how does one go about defeating them? Great questions. Great questions to ponder and um, looking forward to sharing the book with students as well when it's published in printed form and out. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jason. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Glad to share about your work and and thanks for jumping on with me for uh, a brief talk about it. Always glad to have you back. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Happy reading, Audrey. Thank you.